Hi, it's Dan here for Dusty Discs Radio, and this is the podcast Liner Notes, revealing chats with Canada's retro music makers. Today, I'm very honored to have as my special guest, Chris Hooper, best known as a drummer for the iconic Canadian band, The Grapes of Wrath. So we'll be talking about music and travels and the business of music and recording, and we'll get some other insights as well about the Canadian music scene from someone who's been there for many decades. So thanks for joining me today, Chris. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you. Good. Well, life in the music biz uh, these days, I guess uh, it's it's a different world from the one you entered so many years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's really different and it, you know, and, yep. it, and it keeps changing. It's funny. So I sometimes ask people, you know, how has the music changed over the last 50 years? And they just end up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't get a full answer, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so different now, I guess. Oh, you yeah. know, when you came up and you learned how to, I guess you took lessons and just decided you wanted to be in a band. Is that how it happened for you? Um, you know, we didn't at the start we didn't bother with lessons. I think we just thought we'll just imitate what we hear on records and, uh, you know, did it to varying degrees of success. I think (laughs) some of the songs sounded horrible. Some sounded, Hey, that's pretty good. You know, we, we get together and my brother and, and I, in our basement and Kevin would come over and we'd pound out who songs, you know, we, we do the whole album, a quick one all the way through, you know, things like that and play Tommy and, uh, yeah, nice. the Beatles and, you know, and then eventually Sex Pistols and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we kind of felt our way through guessing. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny because you, you make a good point in the sense that the albums, the classic albums are, are an excellent music lesson. Yeah, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of those you still put it on and go, this still is a great record, you know? Yeah. And, and if you can emulate that or, or copy it to the, as close as you can, then you're playing pretty good you're playing right along with the the classic bands right yeah well i mean i'm again i don't think we copied a lot of them very well but that was <laughs> that's a way to start you know yeah. i mean i it's funny so, i talk to people all the time when you said how different things are now like the great example i always mention is youtube i mean if we mm-hmm. had that back then yeah. I, I can't even imagine how i don't know we we would have been able to see how people actually played these songs, you know, yes. and, and then, you know, just little things, how to play this properly, how to do that. I mean, I think it would yeah. have really been different. I don't know better, but, but different, you know? Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because as a guitar player too, like if I could watch mm-hmm. him play it, you can see what position he's playing it in and how he's playing it. Exactly. Right. It's less of a mystery, yeah. you know, or you're, yeah, but, but then again, I mean, there's something about that, you know, um, limitations are sometimes good. Right. And, and the, the lesser influence, like some of the people mm-hmm. who have really sort of carved a new path said, well, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be the second Beatles. I wasn't trying to be another Led Zeppelin. We wanted to forge our own path and just sound like us. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So then I have to ask you about the, the early bands. It says you were in punk bands. And I'm thinking, you know, I've listened to Grapes of Wrath for years and you guys are melodic and smooth and you got these beautiful melodies and stuff. Like, what's, what's the punk thing? Like, it's, it was such a disconnect for me, was it? Yeah, it, it's funny. Everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people say that because it's sort of the last thing they can imagine when they hear a song like All the Things I Wasn't. Um, but, you know, we were influenced by that. We were playing, you know, our... British invasion music. And then suddenly we hear this record by the sex pistols in the clash and we go, wow, this is different. And it, and it really, I don't know, it really excited us. And we also, you know, we took from that as well, the idea that you can kind of do it yourself, you know, 
And we mm-hmm. thought, you know what? I think we could make a record. And, and you know, it came directly yeah. from that for sure. Um, but yeah, um, we, we had some early punk bands and recorded and me and my brother <laughs> had a band called Gentlemen of Horror. And yeah. uh, we put out a single, um, which was kind of, kind of fun. You know, we thought, oh, we can do it. We're all these Vancouver punk bands are doing it. Why don't we do it? So we yeah. put one out ourselves, and it's kind of yeah. cool. I mean, I get that. I get the raw energy and I get the sort yeah. of angst and, the, and and a lot of the younger bands now, I call them the, I hate my parents bands, right? <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, once you don't hate your parents anymore, the angst and that sort of goes away and then mm-hmm. all that's left is the music. And if it's good, it's good. If it's not, then. Yeah. yeah and, and then, I mean, you know, with the, the punk thing, as we kept going along in that, we sort of got influenced of course, by, you know, more post-punk music where, you know, these bands were trying to kind of, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right word you say, like, you know, stretch out a bit, just go beyond the one, two, yeah. three, four, you know, and getting more experimental and, and, you know, some of that we really liked. So we kind of, we kind of realized, mm-hmm. Hey, we can blend, you know, the, the energy, but we can start blending it with maybe our Beatles influences and, and, more melodic right it was sort of allowed at that point i guess you could say in a way and it really opened our eyes to the potential like wow we can actually we can blend these influences yeah which is a good yeah you make a good point because uh that that you can still have the energy and Mm -hmm. the the sort of even the angst whatever whatever it is but it's put into a more musical i mean even johnny rotten said like you know people were spitting on them on stage and stuff he's like i'm I'm not into i mean it's got to be more refined than that yeah yeah i mean that's we always thought that was stupid anyway it's like (laughs) you know that was like to me that was always something you'd see on a bad tv show about punk rock yeah yeah, even cool. though I did so see then, it, but yeah, dumb. yeah. Well, that's and and the anti-establishment thing, I guess, was all kind of you know that was part of the whole movement as well, right? You yeah, know? and and you know we that was the other thing, a big part of it for us was we really were trying to reject you know top forty world of mm-hmm. of bands and music, and um, we wanted to do something different, kind of on our own, and we and and we always we did even though we did end up signing with a major label and, but we always, always controlled it. I mean, we always, um, you know, like say for example, record covers and artwork, you know, we always oversaw that and we, you know, always oversaw our videos and then even started directing them ourselves. We, we never lost control of what, how we wanted to be presented and the record company went with it. So that was really cool. They, they let us kind of have free reign. Yeah, nice. And then, so that was when I was tracking the timeline here. I was thinking, what was the transition? Like, you, you played some bars, I guess. Once, once the punk thing, you kind of rounded that off and, mm-hmm. and played a few bar gigs and then decided, look, you know, we just got to do our own stuff here. Is that? Yeah. Well, what happened is we were, we, uh, I think one of the very first shows we did was a Battle of the Bands in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. And we went up and played our own songs that we'd just written. Um, yeah, I know one was misunderstanding cause that was like one of our very first songs and, uh, we did that. And then, you know, we got the judges, the adjudication papers at the end and they're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's all good guys, but you got to play covers. And we're like, hmm, okay, well, we're not going to do that. But anyway, so we kind of yeah. knew we were on the right track. <laughs> yeah. 
And then yeah, um, I never was big on the Battle of the Bands thing. Yeah, right. Things. We just went. No, no, we thing. went. Yeah, we just went. That's cool, but that's not our our way. We're going to stick to doing this. Yeah. And then um, we just we didn't really play bars. We put on a couple of our own shows here. Just rented mm-hmm. a hall, put it on, played for ten friends. You know, it was that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then we yeah. we actually started going to Vancouver really early on and playing down there um, in a couple clubs down there. You know, we'd get yeah. on support spots. Um, right. with bands like 50 from 40 and you know that kind of thing and at the same time started making our first ep just on our own so what would you consider your break then what would you, what's the defining moment where you said okay we can do something here you know what i think it was we we'd been going down we'd play shows in vancouver um we'd come back home work at the jobs we had um because we just we're still really young we got out of school kevin was working at the local tv station I was working at my dad's shop yeah, nice. Um, nice. and I think Tom was still in high school, but um, hmm. we went down one time, we were in a record store and we hear our, our song being played hmm. and it was, we were, hadn't even come out yet. Like we were recording and we go, oh. so we went up and we said, Hey, why, why is our song being played in here? And it was uh, <laughs> Terry McBride. For, he just started network um, productions okay. yeah. and he goes, Oh, he goes, yeah, your producer slash engineer just, gave me this tape and he said I should check it out so after that they sort of said do you want to go with network you want to sign with us because we need a a third band on the label um Mm -hmm. something that isn't electronic just to balance it out and and because we had a lot of acoustic guitars in that first EP and they just thought it'd be really cool something different from Skinny Puppy and Mauve which were the two first bands they signed yeah (laughs) so we said cool so yeah we went with that and so I think that really change things around because we'd been talking about signing and not, you know, yeah. but we didn't know how to do it or where to go. Or <laughs> hmm. So that so worked that out really well. Happenstance. Yeah, that was happenstance, I guess. But then your, you, your life must've changed quite dramatically right after that, right? Did they ride you like a rented mule? Yeah, yeah, not, well, yeah, actually a bit. I mean, so we <laughs> moved, we moved down to Vancouver from Kelowna. I think, uh, it was almost the last day of school for Tom. And we literally jumped in the truck when he wow. was done and drove to Vancouver and, and just started practicing every day. And, uh, you know, and would listen to Terry's big dreams about what we were going to do. And we'd kind of yeah. laugh and go, Oh, that sounds good. But anyway, and we, <laughs> um, and we just started playing locally and then put the EP yeah. out and, you know, and it, it started to get noticed. And then our first video got some play on much music and we started touring Canada and that wow. went for the next 20 years or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So misunderstanding, was that your first video? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cause that was at the white rock pier, right? I could, I could yeah. see it when I, yeah, exactly. I could, yeah. Well, that's cool. And so who did the video? That right. was uh, a friend of ours, Dermot Shane. So okay, he worked at the Vancouver TV station, but we knew him from Kelowna actually, oddly enough yeah. from, from the days we were in the punk bands. Um, Interesting. Yeah, there was a connection, a mutual friend, and so we knew him way back then. So um, we, uh, I forget how it came up, but I guess somebody suggested him, and we ended up doing it with him. And that was back when you know you'd just buy five rolls of sixteen mil film, and you'd have to make it work with that. And then, well, yeah, that's yeah, the... and then it being at the TV station, he he just edited it at at night at yeah. the TV station. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because when you get signed, of course, and, and you know, Network was still a smaller label at that point. Exactly. And they wouldn't have had 50 grand to spend on a video. Right? No. You just say, well, you know. 
Yeah, I mean so, that that was that was you know zero budget. Who knows what that yeah. was? I can't see it being more than a few thousand. But you needed that video. I mean, back then, yeah, you had to have a video with your song, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so well, yeah, that cool. was eighty-five, I guess, when that mm-hmm. video video came out. Yeah, because we did. The- so then you had "Love Comes Around." Well, misunderstanding "Love Comes Around" on that one, right? Mm-hmm. That was a single, and yeah. then, um, yeah, and then, I mean, just eventually, a couple albums in, then EMI, uh, Capitol Records, EMI, they saw us playing there in town, and they saw us playing at a club, the Savoy Club, and they really dug it because the president, he's he kind of, you know, he was a big fan of you know, the sixties and all that. And he heard that in us, you know, with the harmonies and it really, really struck him as something he, he liked. So he started talking to, to network about signing us directly to, to capital. And then eventually that happened. Okay. I was wondering about that because I could see that it was switched. And then I wondered if you had a a sort of an acrimonious departure from network or if it was just a smooth transition. Yeah, it was, it was really smooth actually. I, I mean, the way it worked was, we EMI basically took over our contract with network. Okay. Pretty much. So this goes back to what I said about how we kind of always retain control of everything we did. Um, because with taking over the network contract, which was really basic contract and, uh, and they kept in the the main elements of it. Like we had say in everything and they, Mm, and I still find it amazing. They went for this, but they did. So we always, everything. I mean, we pretty much, they left us alone in the studio overall. They, uh, you know, let us decide on a lot of video. Um, yeah, that's, concept. that's really the exception and not yeah. the rule. Yeah. Everybody I've talked to tons of people and it's the opposite. Well, yeah. And, and a lot of people and they would, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't, you know, they were never happy with the, say a record cover cause they had no say in yeah. it. And, uh, yeah. I remember one time we were playing a showcase when our second album came out and it was on EMI and we played this showcase with another band on EMI and you know, they're like, Oh yeah, your record's coming out. That's great. We go, yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh, it's, so is yours. You know, that's cool. And he goes, yeah. Have you seen, he goes, have you seen the cover? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, do you know what your record looks like? I go, well, yeah, we designed it. And he goes, what? Oh. And he, he couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I go, what do you mean? He oh. goes, he goes, I haven't seen ours. And I go, and it's coming wow. out. You haven't seen it. So wow. we always thought those kind of things were crazy because for us, we just, we always were, were, you know, behind how it was presented, you know, even a lot of the marketing um, materials, we would write them or have the yeah. concept up for them. So it was, it was cool. We, we liked yeah. having a hand in everything. And I mean, it was a lot more work, but we liked yeah. it because then we knew we wouldn't have something embarrassing generally coming out well yeah and and how many stories have i heard about people who you know the record company comes in they're writing the checks this is the video we're doing this is uh-huh. what we're doing this is it, they, they assign they assign you a producer exactly and i and mean it's like you know, yeah i mean with that it was always a suggestion from them um at, especially at the start i mean an example of that is tom cochran who produced yeah. our treehouse record so when we um when capital signed us and then the idea was well we'll do a re-release of your first album because now you're signed we'll put it out and you know Mm. push it again and do a new single or whatever and uh they said but we want to do a couple remixes of the songs and we're like yeah sure and so they go well this guy tom cochran we'd like to bring in him him in yeah 
and we worked with him on it. And that was great. And how, said, how was that? It was great. It was really good. Yeah. Um, such a good guy to work with. And, you know, and he kind of took us under his wing. You know, we are still 20 and 21 yeah, years old. Yeah, it's and, amazing when you think about yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, we were laughing. We laughed later because back then, you know, we thought, oh, this this older guy, you know, and he won't, he won't get us. And, yeah. and he was like 34. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we thought he was so old you know we're like but uh it was great you know and he yeah. he got it you know and and uh, i mean when he first came to town i remember he goes okay guys you know he he, he goes we gotta go talk about the record and what we're gonna do and we're like okay and uh this is the treehouse album i think i said that yeah, and 87 yeah. yeah so we said yeah let's have him produce it so anyway he comes to him we go out for dinner and we're sitting there and he goes yeah and we're all kind of quiet. And he's like, what, what is it? And we go, well, we can't order anything. And he goes, why not? He goes, we don't have any money. And, <laughs> he, and he looks at us. He goes, what? And his eyes were like big. He goes, I, I don't know what you mean. And we go, no, we don't have anything. And he goes, oh, this is crazy. You know, so anyway, he, he just said, order whatever you want. I'll pay for it. And he, oh, nice. So he be, kind of became this <laughs> bit of a father yeah. figure in a kind of a funny way. And um told the stories and you know it it was good he was a good guy to work with and you know there was well he'd already he had quite a good track record by then anyways red rider had yeah very well yeah so he knew what he was doing and and um and uh you know we had good engineers and but yeah Yeah. good guy to work with i mean it's like any album there's moments in the studio where you know there's low points but you know overall great guy working with great experience um, so where did you record that album? That was at Mushroom. We we was did a, okay. yeah we did a lot of our records at Mushroom. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, is it fair to say then that Trio's album, like the first I heard of of uh, the Grapes of Wrath, was Peace of Mind. That's the yeah. first song, which is a great song. But is it fair to say that Tom Cochran really elevated the band, like got you to the next level, so to speak? Oh, I think definitely, definitely. Yeah. He he had some cool ideas. You know, he he brought in. Um, his uh, guitar player, Ken Greer, who plays steel, you know, and he do all this atmospheric steel sounds. Um, mm. And we were like, okay, let's try it. And he put it in. It was really cool. We're like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So so that's the sound at the start of Peace of Mind. As it fades yeah. in, you hear oh, this, cool. sh- this yeah. shimmering sound. And that was him on the steel just making these. Interesting. Yeah. Just making these Yeah, sounds. it's hard to tell if it's a synth or not. You, you have to listen to it carefully. Yeah. But it's yeah. cool. And then there's um, a few more songs where you hear him on there doing that. I'm trying to yeah. remember which ones now, but uh, so cool. that was neat. So little elements like that. I mean, we wouldn't have, yeah. we wouldn't have thought of that. So, that so, nice. and then I, I, most bands don't like comparisons, but there's a real blue rodeo flavor there, right? Mm, that's funny. You know what? Most people, most people with us say REM or say um, nope. some, um, they, they hear a bit of cure maybe on our very yeah. first one. But, you know, we get more of that. But yeah, I, I see that too, for sure. You know, the double vocals, the acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, the strummy, like mm-hmm. it's, it's great. And, and like I said, that's the first song that really caught my ear. And I thought, okay, this is great. I, that's, I love that kind of music and love yeah. the harmonies and the acoustic guitar. And, and it's well produced, right? I guess yeah. that's part of it too. Because a lot of bands, they got good songs, but they never get produced properly. And, and someone like Gordon Lightfoot has had songs done two or three times. When you listen to Gord's Gold, mm-hmm. he brought in a, another producer and did a bunch of songs he'd already done yeah. once or twice. Yeah, no, it's true. Like bad yes. production can just derail the whole thing before it has a chance to, to get yeah. anywhere. 
so you guys were collaborative like were you guys hunched over the mixer too with with tom cochran like we all part of the process yeah definitely so i mean back then too there was no automation so uh, on that board we used we used the mushroom board which was actually an incredible board famous famous board on many records that are well well known and um we would and because there's no automation we there'd be four or five of us sitting there working the dials for a mix right like just sitting there you know this guy's job is to slide up the bit of the guitar this guy was to bring down in this chorus yeah so it was all you know you're kind of performing at the same (laughs) in the studio yeah it was it was sad when it closed i I did some bed tracks there with colin nairn from barney bento oh yeah yeah got to use the old board and it's great isn't it yeah it was it was but it's gone it's all gone now yeah it's It's, i know that's history yeah i mean i can't last forever i guess but yeah i I was glad we got to spend a lot of time there yeah no that's that's yeah and then so oh lucky man was great so that that album really like i said put you guys on the map as far as getting that broader appeal across canada and stuff and then backward town i was watching the video and so that's a black and white at the beginning who did that video were you guys part of that yeah so that was dermot again he he did he did a bunch of early ones he did that he did oh lucky man um, yep. He did a dream. He did all the, I think he did a dream. He did okay. most, most of the first ones. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was filmed in Kelowna because the song's about Kelowna. So we said, well, yep. let's, okay. let's drive back and film there. So he nice. just, yeah, he just brought a 16 mil camera and we drove around town and suggested places to film and he would just yep. film us. It was just him and us. There yeah, was no, no crew. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool yeah we did a we did a video in Kelowna too and there's lots of good spots around there for yeah. so um when did, did I hear a violin it? what's that when did you do it uh 2006 I think it was 2005 oh, okay. or six yeah. So, yeah yeah went out to the airport and got a helicopter and went oh, up in wow. that and did a few different things but yeah um, yeah it sounds way so fancier he, than ours <laughs> yeah well but you guys I mean it, it works for you and and it's oh, yeah. it's that sort of rootsy kind of mm-hmm. you know putting on airs it's not Shakira it's not some <laughs> big U.S. production it's just, no you know it's and it fits the song but I, I was did I hear a violin in there too did you have a violin in that no um I thought I heard you know a violin what? in there no wait a sec you know that could just yeah you know what let me think because I, I thought, know, well, I guess I have to look at the credits because now I can't. Yeah, there's a bunch of did. different stuff going on in there, and then uh, and then the video. So that's in an old. Is that the one that was in an old warehouse or no? That, yeah, abandoned warehouse. Yeah, yeah. So that's out in. Uh, it was a film, a film studio warehouse out in okay. Burnaby where they did a lot of shows. So oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the the location stuff was Kelowna, and then we we did the performance stuff out there. Right, um, and then you brought a bunch of other musicians in. There's about. 10 yeah. or 15 people in the background yeah there's like a bunch of our friends there's uh okay well vince before he just before he joined the band was in that um, okay and sarah mclaughlin's in there and there's a bunch nice. of people walking around but yeah that sound um that was um again i think that was ken greer that was his yeah. his slide making that violin sound okay yeah could yeah. be I know the steel guys, like the steel guitar players, I, I worked with a couple and they, they got distortion pedals. One guy had a wah yeah, on it. They, they exactly. did a lot of stuff to it, right? And it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Well, when we did, um, I'm probably jumping ahead, but when we did our Now and Again album and we had uh, Sneaky yeah. Pete play on it. So he played yeah. steel. And, and I mean, he's the king of that. He's He was the guy, you know, Flying Burrito Brothers. He was the guy yeah. and his setup was that. He had all these pedals. He probably hadn't changed them since the 60s. 
<laughs> and he could get the craziest sounds. So, yeah. and, and you hear him, you know, on the album and it sounds great, you know? Oh yeah. No, it's, and so that was 1989. You did now and again. Mm-hmm. Up in by Anton. Yeah. Anton fear, fear. Yeah. And, and so there was a, there was a note on there about that was a difficult recording process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A note. <laughs> Where was this note? <laughs> well, yeah. I have to ask you about the it. The fear, the fear of Anton. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it wasn't a great experience at the time. That's for sure. You know, yeah. and I, and I think being up in Woodstock with, you know, just us living in these cabins and, you know, I don't think that helped. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I can laugh about it now. But at the time, it wasn't exactly enjoyable. He was he was uh, definitely not a fun guy to be around. Right. So yeah, you know. So was, he was under pressure from the record company, I guess, no, to make sure that this no, album came. You know. No, it was just his just, personality. Yeah, okay. just just not yeah. the funnest guy to to uh, hang out with or be around. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I guess there's two minds out there. One says, well, like, you know, do the deep purple thing, man, go to, you know, Montreux or go to the studio, <laughs> write the songs and put it all together and live together like in a commune, man. And it'll yeah, be really cool. yeah. And other people are like, yeah, I'm good. You know, let's, what, what was your take on that? Well, you know, it, it would have been great if, 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 you know, he was easier to, to work with, you know, if he was. Mm positive or you know like i always picture like with john lecky who did the next record after that what if yeah. we'd done that there with him it would have been an absolute great experience because okay. you know it was kind of it was really cool up there and you know you're close to new york so we could go into new york in a couple hour drive yeah. and so it just it's all about personalities you know everything so is, was it i don't creative? think where you are was it creative issues or just, um, just salty personality mainly personality some yeah. creative maybe but you know we liked what he'd done before we really sort of dug what he he'd worked with Sid Straw and he Golden Palomino's records had sort of a lot of interesting people on it that we liked their records and yeah. like what he'd done and we thought what he did always sounded good um you know he used well, a great engineer so and, and yeah you know it's it's pretty polished you know it's and we are really happy with it you know in the end but it just it's too bad it couldn't have been a good experience you know yeah i guess i guess you'd have to chalk it up to the ends justify the means in the artistic sense and say look if you get a good product who cares you can you can hate each other's guts at the end mm -hmm. of it if you, if you want but i mean yeah. that all all the things i wasn't i mean that's that's definitely my favorite grapes of wrath song and that's yeah really, well and really and that good. and that one's pretty funny because the demos we did on our own before because we'd always do our own demos before we do a record just you know, the three or the four of us, when Vince joined, um, we would just do them ourselves. And then we'd have them sent to the record company and go, here's our album. And they'd go, okay, cool. They, they almost always just did not interfere. They said, yeah, it sounds like you got a record there. Again, I remember hearing horror stories from other bands saying they sent in 20 songs and they said, nope, none of them start over. Oh, and they'd send in another 20. No, nope, keep going. And wow. we never once went through that. We basically oh. sent demos of the album as we kind of saw it, and they went, great. So yeah. we were really lucky, or we were very persuasive, or our management yeah. was, or a combo of all of that. But um, so, um, what yeah. was I saying, though, about well, before All the that? things I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. Was, it, that really 
didn't change much from the demo that we did ourselves. Um, yeah. The biggest change was Anton brought in a cello player up from New York and she added cello. And then we added some sampled strings. Other than that, it was just like our demo. But really high quality like that. That's yeah. the really good production, right? I mean, yeah. Just, yeah. That's, beautiful. that's using the, the studio to its best, you know, it, yeah. everything it offered. It was a big room in an old church, nice, big, empty mm. wooden room. Yeah. Really cool. And great. Is that engineer. where the video was filmed? Because the, no. the video was in a heritage house, right? That video was in a studio and we had the set built. Um, oh. So what happened is, it, you know, the record company, we had always let them, that's the only thing, we let them pick the singles. So that's something mm-hmm. we never had any say in. We didn't want to get into that because some songs were Tom, some were Kevin's. We wanted to leave it up to keep it open, right? Objective. Right. Okay. And we just thought that was the best way. Say, that's, you know, that's your guy's job. You're the guys pushing this music. You should pick the single. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, of course they thought that too. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> uh, so that was the first one they decided on. They go, yep. And we were like, oh, mistake, mistake. Why would you do mm. this as a first single? We just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. You know, yeah. we thought it should be a band song, you know, like we just thought this is, it's just so odd, really. And then mm. I think that's what they were really attracted to, that you didn't hear yeah. much like that on the radio. So they uh, said, well, we need the video because uh, it's the one we picked. So Kevin came to my apartment. We sat around my apartment and we started throwing out ideas and we started drawing out the idea that just the way it kind of the rhythm of the song, we thought, why don't we just go through, um, you know, a house in one shot and just go through room to room. And, and cause it's about, you know, somebody basically living in their room and just, you know, separated from the outside world and, so we just thought, well, let's do that. And then we thought, oh, I know what we'll do. Why don't we build these rooms on sort of a carousel and then just have the carousel turn and you'll right. see these rooms just in one shot. So That's we, how you got the shot. So yeah, so we took it to the co-director because we, we said, okay, well, we want to direct this too because it's our idea. And the MI said, okay, cool, but, you know, we want somebody with experience, so why don't you co-direct? And we're like, oh, that's great. So we brought him in and he goes, he goes, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. He goes, what we're going to do instead is build your set, but the camera will move around it. And we're like, oh God, of course. <laughs> so, so it's good. We, we had some other input because I, I can't yeah. imagine building this huge contraption. So yeah, it was, you know, right. we did, yeah. I think we did 10 passes, 10 takes going well, all the way around. And we basically picked one and went done. So it was a great. Yeah, I mean, I, I went through your catalog and listened to a whole bunch of stuff, and, mm. and that really jumped out at me. Just as a great melody, great production, great song. That the intro, like it's the kind of song that you want. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, think, you know, yeah, we were really happy. I mean, once it started getting played too, and we said, oh, and people really reacted to it. We went, oh, great, okay, <laughs> you know, and you know how it is. It's you're just so lost in your own world. You only hear it one way, and we were kind of surprised yeah. that. Oddly enough, well, that that's, people, like, people dug yeah. it, you know. I guess that's what you do, right? As an artist, you paint a picture and you give it to the world and see if they mm-hmm. like it. You you paint an audio picture and just yeah. see what to see what happens, right? That's that's what everybody does, I think. You yeah. Know? Well, and and I think I think some people anticipate though, they, they'll do a song like, oh, this will be a hit because of this, or 
we yeah. need to do a song in this style or we need this. And that never, ever has crossed our minds. It's, we always do the music for ourselves. Yeah. And then hopefully people dig it. If not, well, we like it. <laughs> well, it's funny because I asked Ian Thomas as, when Pain mm-hmm. of Babies came out, I said, did, did you think that was going to be a hit? He goes, I knew it was going to be a hit. Wow. I said, well, how did you know that? He goes, I just, I just knew that that song was so strong that, you know, this was, of course, 1973, yeah. I guess, or something. But he said he knew it was going to be a hit. But, but that's not the norm, I don't think. I mean, the record company picks a single, and how many singles have tanked? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Or, you know, I mean, he could just have a lot more confidence than we had. <laughs> well, he was a young, he was a 20 something year old guy too at the time and he produced it and yeah. stuff, but he just, he just felt really confident because I asked him about that. Were you surprised when it, you know, cause it went to number 23 in the States too. I mean, it was a billboard hit, right? Oh, I know that song was huge, but he said, no, I knew it. So I said, oh, good. <laughs> and then he went on to do other wow. stuff. So then you did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think that I think the closest we'd ever would come to that way of looking at it was, you know, we'd do a song. Um, like, I, I remember, like, I Am Here on the These Days album. Yep. And it was like, yeah, we think this sounds really cool, you know, but that's kind of as far as we got. We'd go, <laughs> oh, man, people got to like this. This is really cool. But we never would say, like, oh, this will get a lot of play or, you know. Yeah, that's that's maybe we didn't want to jinx it. I don't know. And you never know. Like I mean the market (laughs) ultimately you can you can shove song down songs down people's throats, but Mm -hmm. you can't make a hit song that isn't one, I don't think. Yeah. Well well um you know I I, I'm not gonna say who it is because I don't think that's a cool thing, but an example of that is we were at EMI one time, some meetings on one of our albums and they, they basically were having a meeting and then they finish where it's with the president and vice president. They go, you know, can we ask you guys something else not related to, to your record? And we go, okay. They go, you know, this record by so-and-so on our label. Um, can you tell us why we can't get a hit with it? Hmm. They literally asked us that because oh. they, they, they were so desperate. They didn't know they tried videos. They just pushed it with everything they could do. And, uh, they just couldn't figure it out. It, so it just shows you, you can sometimes throw money and yeah. it just, it, it, it won't so, catch. So what was one. your answer? Uh, we, we, we looked at each other. We're like, Oh God, I don't know. You know, we're like kind of laughing going, uh, you know, we, we wanted to say something like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe it's not very good, but yeah. you know, we didn't want to say anything like that. Yeah. But oh man, yeah. it, we were thought, later, we just looked at each other and went, Oh my God, it's just, that's how a record company's run. What's going on? <laughs> well, I guess there's a certain element of, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Right. And sometimes yeah. it does oh, and definitely. sometimes it doesn't. And, and it's, yeah. You know. So then yeah. you did, uh, do you want to tell me, which is a heavier, cool groove and it's got the retro sixties. That's where I really heard the retro sixties mm-hmm. guitar riff and, and that sort of flavor that you guys like. Yeah. Lots of guitar going on there and, you know, definitely different than all the things I wasn't. You know, yeah. for us, that probably got the probably got the most rock on that album. <laughs> so, were you trying to be retro, or did you did you have that in the no, forefront of your mind, no. or just writing songs? Yeah, that's just that's just the sounds and the songs we would come up with. Yeah. You know, um, I guess it's just you know this life of lifetime of influences, and yeah. that's kind of what came out mm-hmm. of the of the filter. Yeah. And then you did these days in 1991. So, so I see that you mm-hmm. recorded that at Mushroom, and then you got to mix it at Abbey Road. Yeah, what was that like? Did you? Get that was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was great because it was a great experience working with John, especially after you know the the experience with Anton <laughs> yeah. not being enjoyable. And with John, it was exactly what we always hoped it would be to do an album. Like he, we just experimented a ton. We just we took quite a while doing it. I can't remember now. Maybe couple months recording at least two or three and you know sure there was time wasted but there was a lot of time for experimentation and he was really into that and he'd have great stories about you know working on pink floyd records Mm. xtc so we could get all these stories about our heroes from him too which was really really cool you know we love that and uh and it was great and he was you know he's really interesting in the studio and great ideas and really patient and cool. interesting guy, you know, and uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a great experience. Well, then from, you know, looking at your timeline too, right? You're, you're some young guys in Kelowna, you think you're going to start a band and then here 10 years later, you're less than 10 years later, you're sitting in Abbey Road Studios mixing oh, an album. Yeah. Like you must've been just like, wow. Okay. Oh, exactly. <laughs> There's so many times when I, cause we were doing the album and he, one day he goes, would you guys, what do you think about mixing this at Abbey Road? And we're like, what? And he goes, well, I'll ask. Why don't I ask the record company? And then, you know, again, they said, okay, cool. Hmm. Because that's about when record companies threw money around. Right. So yeah. they went no problem. So wow. we all went over there and then John's like, okay, you know, we go in, I think we're, we went to studio one, was it? Um, it's like Pink Floyd had recorded there and it was really cool for us. And, yeah. uh, and he goes, okay, well, you know, you still need some, we need some percussion still. We didn't finish. And there's this still to finish. Yeah. And we're going, Oh, that's funny. And we realized he'd done that on purpose so that we could actually do some recording. Oh, there. so you did. Just so you didn't just mix it there. You added a couple of things. No, no. He let us, we each did a little bit. I think I did some cool. percussion. And Kevin might have done another guitar part, and Tom might have done another bass part. Nice. So he kind of purposely left it so we could say we recorded. Yeah, there. I love it. I love it. And That's then, great. Yeah, and then we and then we did all the mixing there, and it was it was a great experience. You know, we got to go uh, at night. We'd go into the Beatles studio and sit around and drink and play yeah. the piano, and huh. we had free reign of the place. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. We we had a few friends one night come by the studio and were. Uh, we're all drinking and we go, Hey John, can we go down to the Beatles studio? He goes, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he go, we go down there and we're singing songs, playing the piano, getting loud. And John comes in later and he's hanging out. And then the security guard <laughs> walks in and he kind of looks and he just sees this like, what the hell is going on? Right. And John kind of looks at him and he goes, it's all good. Carry on. You know, <laughs> and the guy goes, all right then. And he walks out. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so th- we had great experiences like that. And, yeah, uh, well, that's... It, it was a, a really good experience. You got to take the ride, right? As they say. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So then I have to ask you, so the song I Am Here, the, the video for that mm-hmm. was kind of a concept video. Yeah, that was, that was at the point where we went, okay, we don't, you know, we're getting into big budgets at that point that's when they were like you said earlier i think like when they're getting up to 40 50 thousand dollar budgets and we're like no we're kind of like let's get one of these good directors to do this we Mm -hmm. we kind of didn't want to go there Mm -hmm. maybe we were nervous with those budgets so Mm -hmm. um yeah we we uh uh you know you would see treatments from various directors and we went for that yeah that was a little uh it wasn't it's hard to 
to write a treatment for that and be very detailed. But we were convinced and we were really happy with the, yeah. the end result and it got a lot of play for us. And oh it yeah. Did really well. Well, it's a great song. It's, it's almost got a tragically hip sort of feel like the mid tempo, the bass is very cool. Mm. It's very nice vocals, yeah. cool guitar riffs. But the thing about the concept videos that that was a very specific time in the history of music, totally. right? So it slots totally. you in that time. Cause yeah. Oh yeah. You can watch it and you can place it right. Yeah. Exactly the year, right. You go, oh, yeah, that's early nineties <laughs> nailed, you know, yeah. right in there. Well, I had to ask you about that because it's different than the other ones. And, you know, like remember in the eighties, all the, the hair bands and that they held the live stage, the big lights and everything. And they did yeah. a million of those. <laughs> totally. right? Oh like, God. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, okay, I don't need another live video. I'm good. Yeah. Trying to move on. Yeah. And then, uh, so the song, you may be right. So the video I watched said the U S version, it's a concept video too. And it's a little bit heavier. Yeah. It's a cool song. And I remember that one for sure. I love that. And you got the Hammond up in that one too, but yeah, you really hear Vince on that great, a lot. Great. Really, really good. Yeah. Like I love it. And, but yeah. So why does it say U S version on the video? Uh, that was, that was the version. That was a remix that okay. the U S did. Hmm. So the U S record company, um, when they released it down there, they said, can we do our own uh, a remix? And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, for what, what reason edit the song, yeah. um, you know, just like all record companies, you know, they, somebody in there thinks they probably know more. Mm. Right. And go, no, I think, I think we should remix it. Maybe this should be a bit louder in this, you know, for our market, you know, that way. Of so thinking. it was on two inch tape. Did you send them the two inch tape so they could remix um, it? I'm trying to think. Yeah, we must've. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would have needed all the yeah, tracks, sure. and that would have been the only way. Yeah. To... I think Toronto would have sent it down to them for sure. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? So, so that leads me into the the question about the U.S. market. Like, did you have much action down there? Like, what, I mean, that's the old the whole goal. I mean, the knock on Canadian bands is they don't do well in the states, but you guys had some action there, right? Yeah, we got a bit. We didn't get a ton of play, but we got some. Mm. You know, we toured a lot though. We spent. Right from the second out, right from Treehouse, we toured down there. We played almost everywhere in that country. Wow. Crazy, just in a bus playing. We played over 80 days. We were, was it 80 days straight one time? 80 gigs. Wow. Just pounding it out, Jeez. you know, usually for nobody. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's when you had to do it, right? Everybody did it. And uh, we, we down there, we were getting on, we were on the college charts, so. Right. You know, we would hit a lot of the universities, colleges, small bars that had, you know, independent music. And, and so that was that circuit you did yeah. back then, mid to late 80s. Well, the record companies, like, that's my boys. You guys got to get out there and work this. But the thing is, like you said, you know, it, how much did you get from that? Well, that's always the question, isn't it? You know, you, you look back now and go, probably not a lot, you know, and we did everything. We did everything you do. You know, yeah. you met everybody, went to a billion radio stations, did the, the whole thing. But right. that's how you did it then. That was yeah. part of, you know, the, the deal. And then they would they would support you, you know, yeah. like as in, as in you'd show in, up in town and there'd be an ad in the music yeah. paper, right? So they, they would spend the money that way. But you had to go do your part. You had to do the interviews. You had to yeah. go to the record stores. Well, so that's what I was going to ask you about. Like a lot of, a lot of Canadian bands get a Canadian deal with a distribution deal in the U S was that what mm -hmm. the way your deal was structured? Pretty much. I mean, we, uh, yeah. I mean, what would have, I can't remember the details, but yeah, I mean, we were released everywhere, U S Europe, um, 
but Japan. not pushed in the way that they would push one of their bands coming out of New York or something, right? No, exactly, because you know that part was up to them. Like they, yeah. I think there was a deal where you know Capital in Canada would say, "Here's our handful that we want put out down there." For right. example, um, here's the records we've chosen. But and they worked on them, you know, they pushed them to do it. But there's only so much you can do. They're, they're under no obligation. It, it didn't right. work that way. Just like you said, they had a million of their own signings that took priority. Yeah. Was there and, any uh, talk of moving down there yourselves? Did you ever no. consider relocating? No, I mean, no, I mean, we didn't even move to Toronto yeah, from Vancouver. <laughs> and, and that was, I think that was suggested at one point. And, yeah. and it might've made things easier and, it, it, and who knows, but yeah. um, no, we didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, it felt like, like kind of Europe was better for us. We felt like we, we liked touring there better. Yeah. Um, we got some play over there. Um, it was great. It was, that was a good experience. We did two tours of Europe and okay. um, some promo stuff and, you know, same yeah. thing. You'd show up in Barcelona and the local record company reps would be there. And, yeah. You know, but it was, you know, it's interesting. But a lot of times people, they have the wrong idea about, about the tours because the tours, you do some bigger venues, but lots of smaller ones too, especially if you're on a constant tour and you're doing midweek stuff and that can be smaller venues too, right? Yeah. Well, with us, it was, it was, we never did the touring on our own. We went over the two times we went over, we backed up um, big bands. Yeah. So we, we had a really different experience. They were well-known bands in Europe. So we would play, you know, from theaters to hockey arena size nice. places yeah. and it was great great experience we played a lot of i don't know 20 shows yeah and in good venues so we got to play for nice. a lot of people okay good so that and, was good and what were your sales over there were they comparable to canada oh or? no no okay. no they'd never be as much as as canada but yeah. i i don't even know what they were you know yeah but but you know we got we got some play and some radio play and we sold some and yeah it was a good experience all around. Yeah. So then did you get caught up in the legal crap or the record deals and that? Did you end mm, up no. in litigation or anything? Or No, no, that was just between the band. Like when we broke okay. up, there was actually, yeah. you know, we, uh, with the band, we uh, got to the end. It was, you know, the old cliche. We, I think, you know, we'd spent so long together and we were growing up. We weren't kids anymore. And I think we just started to diverge. I mean, yeah. there's things we wouldn't see eye to eye on anymore. You know, when we were kids, it was always, you know, we're going to do it, you know, yeah. us against everybody. And it, you know, we had a goal and it held us together. And I think later on we lost that goal. You know, maybe we got yeah. complacent. And we thought, oh, this this machine's rolling along now. And it feels, you know, I don't know. We like, we, we don't have a big goal anymore. I, yeah. That's what I chalk it up to okay and you know and we all had our own lives and you know going separate ways you know yeah. marriages etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um, well and then the so i think part, that's what led to it yeah and then of course the other part of it is you you're, you're under a certain sort of pressure i mean you've got you're touring you're recording you're writing songs you're trying mm-hmm. to keep your personal lives together i mean there's a lot of balls in the air so to speak right? yeah yeah exactly yeah, that, that's, that's all part of it. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it got really difficult for us to even communicate anymore. Hmm. You know, I always say it, everybody's just such the, the cliche band breakup thing, but, <laughs> but, but it was, and, uh, and then, you know, you just, 
kind of stopped talking and next thing you know we're like we've had it and we yeah. you know we, it was uh we asked kevin to go and uh of course he didn't take that very well yeah. so then we were in you know basically everything was tied up in in law and a lawsuit for years after right. that okay yeah so you know it's it's not a good way to end that yeah. of course <laughs> just put it mildly yeah um yeah and then you know eventually jump ahead we uh we got offered to do a show in uh 2010 and it, it you know kevin and tom had played a bit together um in the you know the preceding years yeah. And um, I I was kind of like, well, do I want to do this? Because this is the last chance, I think, you know. And, and I said, yeah, okay, let's do it, you know. And yeah. it, it, it had been long enough. And so, yeah, we got back together. And it, it, it was funny. We went into practice space. And we're like, eh, it's kind of weird. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> okay. And we went, well, should we try something? Yeah, okay, let's try whatever. And we did a song. And went, well, kind of sounds the same. Yeah. So So that was good. Well, you have that combination, that magical combination that everybody's looking for and not very many people find. And then I guess the other element is, you know, when you look at the timelines, I mean, you guys started in what, 83. So it wasn't mm -hmm. even 10 years. I mean, you, you just go on this fast paced sort of hundred miles mm -hmm. an hour thing going for X amount of years. And then you reach yeah. a breaking point, right? Or just yeah, I, I, I think so. And yeah, it's funny. Like when we reformed, I mean, we've been together now way longer than we originally were yeah it's funny eh, when you look at the <laughs> time funny. i know it, it's such an odd yeah. when you look back on it it's just so odd because that, yeah. that when we were first together that felt really long you know yeah. when we were kind of right. near the end of it yeah but then you know when you play with people you form a sort of a bond i mean i i, I had a guy yeah. that i played with for a lot of years and i said in the end you know we, we chirped at each other at times but i said i don't want any mm -hmm. negativity I consider you a friend. We went through a lot together. We did a lot of cool things together. Yeah. You know, let's just put the negative stuff aside. Exactly. Live, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're right. That that's, and, and that's how we are now. Yeah, like nice. there's definitely there. And it's good. Cause there's definitely things where, you know, I might see something from back then or run into somebody and I go, Oh my God, only, only Tom and Kevin would get yeah. this. There's no one else that would understand this. So, so it's good now because we get together when we do shows and say we're driving to the show or after the gig, we're sitting around talking and inevitably we just end up talking about people we knew in the past yeah. and things that happen and we're laughing our heads off or we're just, yeah. you know, we're going, oh, I wonder whatever happened to that crazy guy, <laughs> right? We're just, oh yeah. And, and, be, and it's good. And between us, you know, we fill things in, yeah. you know, which is always interesting. You know, I'll go. God, where, what was that guy's name again? And then somebody will go, oh, that was Joe. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. How do you remember that? And then somebody else will say something like, oh, that happened here. And I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. so it's, well, and, so it, it's, yeah. it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah you get to do the fun exactly. stuff. Well, you got to do Rock the Lake in Kelowna, right? Yeah. Last, just that was a month right. ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good example. You know, we, uh, we just, it, it's, we keep it so simple. We, we just fly in from our respective cities across Canada yep. to a, a venue and we keep it really simple. We show up, we play our show, you know, and, and we go yep. home. I mean, we, 
it's nice. It's nice and easy and enjoyable and without any of the crappy part of being in a yeah. band, you know? Yeah, no, that's <laughs> cool. And then you got in 2018 yeah. you were in the Western Canadian Music Hall of Fame, you got inducted. Yeah. And that was, that was cool. Cause that was, they held it in Kelowna that year. Yes. So I guess they thought it was fitting, fitting that year. And that was kind of neat, you know, like we'll, we'll come back and play Kelowna every several years yeah. in, in a different, you know, venue that was, that was just an award saying, and they held held it in this crazy little bar that was packed. And yeah. then a couple of years before that, we did this outdoor theater. And then, like you said last time with this festival. Yeah, the Rock the, the Lake, yeah. With a bunch of other old bands yeah, like well, us. there you go. But well, I'm happy for you guys. I mean, the thing is, life goes on, and life's more important than all the other things. But you, when you're looking back, you know, you just you go, you know what? We did something. It was cool. Let's enjoy it for what we yeah. have left. Right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's exactly how we, we do look at it. And I'm, I'm glad we got to that yeah. point because I think there's some bands that never have, you know, that, that bands that ended acrimoniously, they, they've never had that kind of, yeah. I'm trying to think how you say it, but to, to, to get back and to actually enjoy the good stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I always have to ask, you know, you, you got your shot, you took a cool ride, you got some songs, you did, you did things that most bands would love to do and never do, but what would have, do you regret anything or what would have taken to get to the next sort of big U S level or worldwide? Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know if we'd ever would have been that big. I, I still think our music's, I, I just don't picture it as being that, like a big us hit song mm-hmm. i i just don't hear us yeah, like that okay. but but i do regret that we didn't stay together for at least another album because i mean when we broke up we we were just getting there right. it, it just each record did better sold more got more play yeah. and it was you know the classic thing we just broke up at the exact wrong time i think i think we would have at least had another couple records and i think i think they would have done really yeah. well but you know, how do you know? Yeah. Right? Well, I was just thinking of a band like, like an REM who just, you know, milked, milked mm-hmm. it for several decades and, and really did take the next step, then the next step, then the next step. And yeah. And you know what? That's a good point. That's a good example. I mean, when we first listened to their, you know, first records that came out, well, I would never have thought they would have ended up where they were, mm-hmm. how big they got. So that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but again, they, they paid a price. And so I always ask the question, when you see someone up on a big stage, what price did they pay to be standing there? And was it worth it to them? Mm. Cause they all paid a price. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there, like before we broke up, there's definitely a lot of stress, a lot of stress, just the, the personal interaction and thing, sacrifice you know? too, right? It, it got time. Yeah. You know, and that too. Right. You know, I mean, you, we all almost all went through marriages yep. probably directly related to that yep. when you're not home for months and months at a yep. time um you know it, it, everyone's heard it before but it's it, it's there's truth to it well that's the price that you pay you know i have, I have a couple exactly. friends who's you know kids don't speak to them mm-hmm. kind of thing you know and and you see those yeah. that's a high price like that would be way too high a price to pay i think for anything, for any level yeah. of success. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, that's yep. incredibly yep. tough. And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, just day to day things, you know, people would say, Oh, we're going to go do this. And I go, I can't go, <laughs> you know, I can't go. I'm, we have, we're going here to do yep. this or, you know. Yeah. And so 
But I'm not complaining because I saw some great things. Got to travel for free, yeah. as I like to yeah. put it. No, fair enough. Got to see Europe when I was young, and yeah. it was great. So what do you do for a living? Do you have a different – like you got into the video stuff, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 It's been a long time now. Um, ever since I got out of music, I pretty much stopped playing in 98, mm. 97, okay. 98. And yeah, I you know I'd been basically touring since I was 16 years old, and I went, I think I've yeah. had it. And, uh, so I, and I'd been doing video, um, type things and filming and all that actually since I was a yeah. kid and I always loved it and was interested in it. So I just went, I'm going to do this now full time. Right. So yeah, I've been a filmmaker now and video, um, mainly video editor right. for a, quite a long yeah. time. So that's my main gig. Um, very cool. Editing videos. So are you doing, do you have your own company videos? or do you have a different? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I freelance. I, I work for myself yeah. and it's all over the board. You know, I started doing a lot of music videos because it seemed like a good way to start in. And I had connections, yeah. of course. And, uh, and then uh, just everything. Commercials. I cut a feature film a couple oh, of nice. years ago. Doc- documentary stuff. A lot of promo stuff. Yeah. That's that's where course, a lot of the yeah. work is. You know, that's yeah. So it's yeah. good, though. I like it and I can do it anywhere. I travel a lot yeah. now. So I'm usually... Um, of course not the last couple of years, unfortunately, yeah. but, but, uh, it's great. I can just have my computer and I can pretty much yeah. cut anything anywhere in the world. So it's do you great. have a website or oh, yeah, it's just, it's called trifectamedia.com. Yeah. And, yeah. and people can get it, get information on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you're in a good place in life. Would you say, would you say that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really good. And, and I, you know, I, I, I think like you said earlier, you know, you think back and we did a lot of cool stuff and had a lot of fun. And that's, mm. that's what I remember, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. dwell on the, the, you know, the unpleasant stuff, which I think some people you run into and they're pretty dark about it. And that's all they dwell on. Like, you know, the record company screwed us over and this happened and this happened. And, you know, I, we can't go there. You know, we, we can't yeah. do that. We don't, we don't want to do that. We just want to play our gigs and have fun and we enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I, I had just spoken to a person who was in a well-known Canadian act and I asked him if he wanted to do the podcast and he said, I, I can't do it. I'd, I'd have too many negative things to say and oh. I don't want to say them. Oh, and I thought, wow. oh, what a sad place to be, you know, like, yeah. I guess it just end, ended so badly and you got shafted and he just doesn't oh. want to talk about it and it would be a negative interview. And, and had he done it a long time? Was the band around a long time? Yeah. Yeah. In the eighties, oh, they had a huge hit and, and this, oh. the, he said he hasn't played full time since 93. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, just let's reflect on it a little bit. And they, uh-huh. they're a big band. I, I did a gig with them when they came out here and I don't want to say who it is, but he just yeah. declined because of that. And I thought, yeah, uh, gee, you know, it's 30 years ago now. Come on. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and the sad thing is, you know, you're writing off that big block of your life. Yeah, which to me is the saddest part. That should be good memories, and you know. Well, I think so because we. Why did we play music in the first place? Because it's fun, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. And you're right. I mean, we never played music ever, other than we wanted to write songs and and yeah. and the process of it. That's why we did it. We didn't do it for anything else. Yeah. And then you got your level of success, which was great, and then mm-hmm. carry on with your life, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. And, so what's left for you to do? What what's your what's your bucket list? What what what's oh, your man. Well, I mean, personally for me, it's see more countries that I haven't been to. 
Okay. Um, there's a lot of places I want to go that I haven't been to. And um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And more hope, more just, video editing? Yeah, I keep creating, you know. Like, yep. I, I talk about, you know, I, I've made a couple short films. I'd like to make more more films myself and things like that. Mm. And It's expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not like it was, though. It's, yeah. You can do it you can do it affordably now, just like yeah. recording music now. Right. Mm. But, uh, and I have talked about, and I've had conversations with various producers and people, uh, about, I want, maybe want to do some kind of doc on the band. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of footage. It's a good idea. Um, yeah. And it's a lot of footage of us as kids. Yeah. And I, and I just think that's really kind of a rare thing to have with a band when you grew up together and you have it documented. And so yeah. I'd like to do something one day with that. Oh, that's a great idea. On, yeah, I've sort of been working on how to do it, but CBC might give you some uh, some money for that, wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I actually had a meeting with them years ago. That, yeah. That's how long I've been talking about <laughs> this, and then it didn't really go anywhere. And I just thought, well, you know, one day down the road, I might start to put it together again, and yeah, or you know, talk to somebody else and get it get it happening. I'll see. It would be Canadian history, so you could you could certainly apply for a grant or something for it. It would be a cool well, thing. To... Yeah. Yeah, I I I think it would be worth doing and, you know, if I do it in an original way. Yeah. You cool. Know. And uh what about Grapes of Wrath music? Any more of that on in the offing, as they say? We haven't you know, we haven't really talked about it. Um yeah. we are supposedly re-releasing a first record soon. Hmm. That that should be coming out in a year or so. That's the talk. Remix, but, uh, remaster. Well, it'll be remastered. Yeah, um, yeah, because it'll be repressed, and I guess right. it'll be remastered, of course. So, yeah. yeah. So well, that's cool. there's talk of that, and then hopefully we play, keep playing shows here and there. Yeah, that's fun. And uh, yeah, get to feel like you're like, 18 again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That when we get to the end of the show and I'm like, well, I'm a bit more tired than I used to be, I think. That, that was a lot of work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, drumming is still yeah. physical, right? It's still a physical yeah, exercise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. No, well, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It's, this is an excellent conversation. Oh. I always wanted oh, to talk cool. to you know, somebody from the band and, and just kind of get the inside scoop, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, no, it was great talking to you. And, well, And, you know, it's it's yeah. always, I like these kind of interviews when you're talking to somebody that knows about music, right? Because as you know, you've probably done interviews where the person's just asking questions that have no, no relevance. You know, you're just like, this is crazy. So it's always nice to, to do it with someone that is a musician and understands, you know. Well, I appreciate that. And and that's part of the, what we try to do with liner notes too, is is it's not a radio hit or it's not a puffy kind of, you know, what's your favorite color kind of stuff. I mean, it, you know, we yeah, talk about music that. stuff, right? And so, and, and yeah. that it's more in depth so you can actually answer a question rather than take 15 seconds and on to the next one. So it's, it's great. Many thanks to Chris Hooper for being part of the liner notes podcast and sharing some insights from his life in the music business. More information is available at grapesofwrath.ca. Nice website full of lots of information. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and invite you to subscribe to it and share it on social media. So others can enjoy it as well. And we also invite you to listen to dusty discs radio Tuesdays and Thursdays to hear music from the Canadian artists you're hearing on this show. So until next time, I'm Dan. Here.